this week on Scorio S4C. We've got a huge Welsh Cup game. Massive local derby up in North Wales. Bangor City hosting their big rivals, Carnarvon Town. And who would have thought, even this time last year, that there'd be a cup match between these two and the Covies are the favourites. No question about it. Having an unbelievable season. Sean Eardley doing an amazing job. Making a mockery of my prediction that they'd be relegated at the start of the season. That will not be happening. This is going to be a big one. Huge crowd expected. 7.30 kickoff this Saturday night. Tune in to S4C for Bangor against Carnarvon. Woohoo! Can't wait. He likes to tell you. If anyone will listen About his seven caps His chocolate knees His distinct lack of pace Now it's a long shot Hello, welcome to the Longman's Football World Podcast with myself, Owen Tidder Jones. We have got a big hitter for you this week, Mr. Russell Martin, Mr. Norwich for the best part of a decade, Captain Marvel, back-to-back promotions, a relegation, another promotion. He's a club legend, big testimonial coming up in the in the summer. The Russell Martin, eleven against Wesley Houlihan. Oh, can't wait for that one. But here and now, this conversation, brilliant catching up with him in his hotel room uh, up at Walsall just before Christmas. So it's been a little while since we had the chat. Um, he's got one eye on coaching. And this man is going to be an unbelievable manager. I have no doubt about it. And we get into all the discussions. We talk about our Norwich days together, what went on afterwards, um, you know, being the captain of a huge club brilliant fan base and the success that he had there and we talk about all sorts to be honest it's been over a month I can't quite remember the chat but what I do know is it's an enjoyable one so hopefully you guys love this podcast with the one and only Mr Russell Martin Mr Russell Martin in the comfort of your hotel room in the village you're living the dream aren't you Living the dream. To some, it'd be living the dream, wouldn't it? Away from the, uh, away from the misses and kids. But um, yeah, it's a different existence than the one I've had for the last ten years or whatever. Well, and then we'll uh, let's get into it. Let's explain. Obviously, uh, with Walsall, you've yeah. left Norwich. Yeah. 
um, being away from the family, living in a hotel. As you say, a lot of people will look at it and think, oh my God, what a beautiful life. <laughs> I'm sure you bowl downstairs, you choose your breakfast in the morning, you know the staff, they make your coffee as you like it. But it's not, it's not the sort of glitz and glamour that people are led to believe. No, you know yourself, it's not all it's cracked up to be, is it? It's, um, it's one of them, I think, as a footballer, especially an international footballer like you oh, did. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Drop that in early. Um, it's... Uh, you just get stay in the hotels and that. It all beca- so everyone's like, "Oh, you've been to this place and that place. Well, oh, it must have been amazing." It's like, no, every hotel just sort of blends into one. Um, and as I was leaving, we had a hospital visit today at the club, and I was leaving, and the goalie coach said to me, "How are you going back to the hotel?" I said, "Yeah, he went, oh, I envy you." <laughs> and of course, it's a, it's nice every now and again, but when you're doing it three or four nights a week, it just becomes it can be quite a lonely existence, to be fair. Um, but you look at why you're doing it and. I'm, I'm here to help, you know, my friend who's the manager, and I'm here to develop myself as a as a coach. I've come as a player coach, and I wanted to get involved in that side of it. So it's been really interesting for me, and I've learned loads in a short space of time. And it's also enabled me to play at a decent level still, which I'm enjoying the playing side of it. So um, it's the same as as anywhere. You, you walk in, you have to fit into a dressing room and all that. But the uh, the lads have a laugh as well. The fact that I'm <laughs> living half of the week in a hotel, but um, I don't think. I won't, I won't. Jazz will listen to this at some point, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's amazing, but uh, it is. Uh, no, it's okay. It has its perks, but obviously because of my dietary stuff and all that as well. Been a, been a vegan or eating a plant plant based diet for a long time. Yeah. So it becomes difficult as well because I have to prepare stuff and um, I want to see the kids before I leave, so I have to pick the times I'm travelling. Otherwise, the traffic's too bad. So loads comes into it. It's not. It's not as idyllic as everyone would think. It's like you just go to the hotel and put your feet up and chill out. Like we've just turned away the three masseurs that you normally get. <laughs> We're going to come back later. Yeah, yeah I wish. Yeah, that'd be, I t- we should we should have done it whilst getting a massage. Yeah. We should have had this chat whilst getting a massage. But it, it it is true though, and I get it. I've I've been in your position, and I under and we understand why people think because you go away for a holiday to stay in a hotel, you enjoy staying in a hotel, and they do. Anyone anyone that's shaking their heads, we we don't want you to feel sorry for us. But it's true; they blend into each other. Um, and you crave your home life, if you like. Even now, sort of, I've had a change of career and going away with commentary or, or whatever I'm doing, and you're staying in hotels. People just think it's an absolute jolly. Yeah. Oh, you're well, living. you're not allowed to do anything, are you? Oh, no. Is, and I think that's it's why I have so much respect for people who play at the top level for so long. So they play in the Champions League, they play in the Premier League, they play internationally. So they're like, so I went on a study visit to Real Madrid, like two or three months ago before I came to Walsall and I looked at their monthly schedule and it was unbelievable they didn't have one day off not one because they play every three days and to do that for 10-15 years that's for me that's and people go what a life they're playing football 100% but you're sacrificing another huge part of your life as much as you might not think it at the time because it does become all consuming when you're playing at top level and I just said a bit to you before we started talking but when you're playing the Premier League and all that all your focus is on is being being prepared for the game, recovering, eating the right thing, uh, get training well, sleeping well, because it's so big. Every game you've got to be at your best level, otherwise you're going to get found out. And yeah. So for them to keep doing it and to keep doing it and keep proving themselves, it takes it takes some sacrifice. And that, whether that's family, whether that's you know having having a life outside of football, which many don't, because it become it's a bubble. Yeah. Because you can't you can't look outside of it. Because once you do. You're either, you're either 
you know, losing focus on what you should be doing, your job, which is being scrutinised by millions of people all the time, or people start accusing you of losing interest, or he's, you know, he's got a few interests outside of football, and you know, maybe he's not as hungry as he was, and so it's difficult. It's a balance, and um, I've got so much respect for people who do do it. But like you said, when when you're stuck in a hotel, it, it becomes, especially them international trips, mate. When you're stuck in the Eastern Europe somewhere, it's yeah. uh, it can become a long. A long seven to ten days, that's for sure. I've been in some bad ones. When, when I went on loan to... Oh, I say bad, I don't want to be too disrespectful. But when I went on loan to Yeovil, there's not many hotels in Yeovil. <laughs> so we'd stay in, this, in the city lodge, not the best. Not the best. And you're there for like three months or so. Yeah. But you just get used to it. You you have to get that mentality right. Mm-hmm. How easy it could be to that you end up going to the pub on the corner for a pint. Yeah. Or you, you end up going here or there and you know get up to no good or, or what have you. you you need that mental strength. Yeah, yeah. As, as oh, listen, people will be listening, thinking, "Shut up, <laughs> both." Here. We ain't feeling sorry. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't want that. But uh, when I went on loan to Brentford, I remember that hotel was near Heathrow. Yeah. So the Renaissance Hotel, the longest corridors you will ever see, <laughs> right? And so after about two weeks, I thought I'm going to take advantage of these corridors. So I bring my putter and my my little, no way. I swear, you actually... and my little pitching <laughs> <laughs> your little your little putting device. I put that right on the back end of the corridor. Yeah. You're talking. You're talking pff, probably eighty meter putts. Some yeah. of them. And then, <laughs> and then you I, think I, any? Um, not many, mate. And obviously, I was playing golf with Gilly at that yeah, time, yeah, yeah. and he's a fucking good golfer. Yeah. And he'd get spin on his little chips, and yeah. I'd keep them low. <laughs> and on the second bounce on the green, they'd just check. And mm. I thought, I'm going to learn that. So I take my take my pitching uh, pitching wedge into and try and try and play that shot. And then I'd thin it every now and then, and you see that ball just flying <laughs> through the corridor. I've got to hide back in my room just in case someone goes out. No, not really. Especially in that sort of area, yeah, people yeah. are so business driven. Yeah, They're yeah. thinking, "Who's this little <laughs> knob oh, causing yeah. chaos?" But you find your routine, don't you? Yeah. So that was that became part of your routine. What is your routine then? We're creatures. Of, we're creatures of habit and routine because it's in. It's like the military. It's instilled in you. You get told what to do from the age of eighteen mm. every day. And I'll be honest, when I when I had the break from Norwich before I came here, I had to find a rhythm again, a routine of, I've, I had no job. So I had my course and I've been studying certain things and I've got a couple of other business interests, but it was a lack of routine for the first three or four weeks. And I said to Jazz, I said, I need to get, I said, I need to get some sort of routine, whether it's going, I'm training at this time every day. Um, so I was working with my foundation quite a lot as well. So I was coaching at these times in the evening, but I had to sit there and write it down because I was like, Otherwise, my head's all over. I'm used to being told where to be, what to do. So my routine now, and and I think it's important to find a routine that's not too far away from your home, because otherwise you go away and end up doing nothing, and then you're going back home and trying to do stuff again. So I've got lots to, loads to do with in terms of like paperwork. I said about my foundation back home, stuff with that, emails. So I try and do all that when I'm away from home, from the family. So I, I'm, I come up on a Monday or Tuesday, depending on when we're training and stuff, um, and then stay over Tuesday night, uh, Wednesday train. I go back straight after training on a Wednesday. Tuesday's a long day, so as with the staff and stuff, we sit down and analyse the opposition and what we want to work on for the next week, blah, blah, blah. And the, the week, the next week's opposition as well. Wednesday's quite a short, sharp day. Um, so then I go home and I coach in the evening for my foundation, get to see the kids. And then I'm off Thursday, but then travel back up again Thursday and then stay Friday, ready for the game Saturday. So it's... It's a lot of travelling, which I'm not used to. I've been used to being in Norwich, mate, where you're 10 minutes from the training ground and it's mm. perfect. And you probably take it, not for granted, but because that's the, that was the norm for so long, 
in football you don't really get that, do you? Like that's it's quite a unique position to be in when you stay at a club for nearly ten years and you're ten minutes from the training ground. You build up a group of friends and a network, and you know everyone at the club. But it doesn't. And I and I went to Rangers last year, and I expected to get that straight away. Yeah. It's because of what I've been used to, and I thought, and I, and it it takes time. That takes time because I had that, and I was at Norwich for so long. And that bond you build with people and trust. I guess it all comes down to trust and and respect. But it's I'm more prepared for it this time than I was Come in January. Yeah, than going up to there. Definitely. So, so how would that work for you? What did you find different going up there and trying to create a coffee club and thinking, um, uh, actually, these boys have got their routine. They don't want to come for a coffee. I'm by myself. Yeah. So, I knew it was going to be away from the family, and that was going to be the hardest bit because I've got kids in school. I can't just take them wherever, um, and that's why they're not here. I'm not willing. We've moved back home now um, to Brighton to give my wife and children base of where they're going to be. Um, because I don't want to traipse around the country. They've been in one place. And I think it's not fair to then go to my kids while we're going here. There. And at the stage I'm at in my career as well, if I was 25, 26, it'd be different. Yeah. We're dropping everything and, we, and we're going wherever I'm going to play. Um, because as you know, at that point, your whole family life's revolved around your football career as well because you're bringing in money for the family. It's all about trying to play as high as you can. Um, but the difference at range, I knew it was going to be really hard work with the family in terms of travelling because Norwich as you know is a pain in the ass to travel anywhere um, but that was for me that was going to be the hardest thing but it also meant I can devote some proper time up there whether it be at the training ground or whatever and it turned out that actually I, it was just me being at the training ground and taking advantage of their facilities and became um, selfishly like used it for what I needed it for and in because I went into a um, a dressing room that was quite difficult and quite split and it had been through quite a tough time with a previous manager and mm. a lot you know what it's like when managers leave there's a lot of the previous managers players and uh, there's a lot of players who've been there before yeah. and then there's a lot of new ones so I was part of the new crowd coming in um, so it was a, it was a really mixed dressing room it was quite tough so and I just thought I'd rather than trying to be everyone's mate and all that, I just thought I'd get on my stuff and slowly you gravitate towards the people you're going to gravitate towards and, and be friends with because you share common interests or you know, you, you're you doing the same things as them. So I just got into routine, got friendly. The staff are brilliant. I still talk to a lot of them now. Um, and and in the end, the lads, lads were good, but it took time and I, that was a big shock for me. Not a shock, I should have expected it, but when you've been something in the dressing room for so long, yeah. you can't expect to then... So when you've been a leader at Norwich for the captain or whatever for so long, then you can't expect to go into Rangers and be exactly the same and start going, right, you need to do this, you need to do that. Because people just go, what's this What's this fella about? Yeah. So it was, it was a slow burn, and I felt I kind of assumed that role a little bit in the end anyway, but it just took a, it took a bit of time. But it was a tough it was a tough period for me, personally, and for, for, for my family, because being away and all that... Um, but I learned a lot, and I, and it's prepared me now for this. Because let's be honest, I'm at a stage of my career. I'm in like a. You're in preparation mode. Now yeah, I'm in transition. I want to carry on playing. So how old are you? I'm 33 in two weeks. Yeah, so you're not you're not even yeah. that. Let's let's be honest. You know, we can look at a former teammate of ours, big big bulb nose Nelson. Yeah. He's still playing. He's 74. He loves living the way, doesn't he? He's 74. <laughs> <laughs> he's never lived where he's played. Unbelievable. But you know. It's possible that you, the way that you look after yourself, you could be like Nels yeah, to a certain extent. You can still be playing at thirty-eight, yeah. but you've, you know, just talking to you, I think you've made up your mind that you're looking forward to that next step 
you know, you're yeah. playing, but you don't want to be the player who's here for six months and then there for a year and then here for six months and then all of a sudden yeah. you're not getting the offers that you think yeah. you deserve and you're nowhere. You've decided to take the bull by the horns and go down this coaching route yeah. here and now. You've hit the nail on the head, I think. And I, don't, I don't just want to be someone that travels around and plays for a year here and a year there. And everyone says to me, play as long as you can, play as long as you can. But I think that's... It's, 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 Got it's subjective and it's got to be relative because I don't want to play till I'm 40 and I'm playing 400 miles away from my family. Do you understand? So yeah. it's like I I will play as long as I feel good and I'm enjoying it because <clears throat> I've got to enjoy it. I love the game. The minute I stop enjoying it, I'll stop playing. But I've also, as you said, I'm pro- playing football is enabling me to keep learning and I want to be a coach and I want to be a manager. Not in the short term, 100%. I want to keep playing for the next couple of years. But the more I can learn and be on the coaching side as well, then perfect. And and that's what the next couple of years playing will give me. It'll give me a chance to get all my badges complete, like start my pro license in January, and then and then I'll be ready. I don't just want to get to 35 where I've enjoyed playing, loved it, and go, oh shit, now I've got to start doing this. It's a plan I've had in place for quite a while, and it's it's you know. It's I I, I respect that, mate, because you're being you're being proactive as opposed to being reactive mm. uh, as a. Instead of being that player who retires and like, oh shit, what happens now? Right, I'll go on my, I'll go on my B license, yeah, yeah. and then it's a, it's a process. Whereas you're gonna be, you're gonna be ahead of the game. I do think you probably would, you will miss playing, probably as well, oh, more than, yeah. more than maybe I have because of injuries and just used to not playing and being in pain yeah, all the yeah. time and this and that. I know you've had a couple of injuries recently, um, so it's, it, it's that fine line, isn't it? Because you, you need for your own sanity, you'll need to get out at the right time for you yeah, yeah. otherwise you will regret it yeah, but yeah. it's also you're stepping into a profession that is becoming more and more a young man's game coaching management and it changes so quickly we'll, oh, we'll talk about Lambert I'm sure plenty yeah, yeah. As, the, as the chat goes on but he now when he when he came to Norwich he was seen as one of the young up and comers yeah. and in the in the blink of an eye click your fingers yeah. 10 years has passed and he's seen as one of the old guys oh, do, do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. it goes so quick and football moves Football trends or fashion move so quickly. So now that, if you, even if you look two years ago, everyone wanted an experienced manager again. Yeah. Like Allardyce, Moyes, they're all coming back into Pardew, they're all coming back into these top jobs. I guarantee now Premier League clubs would be like, no, we're staying away from that now. We want to go young or we want to go foreign or we want to go someone who's, you know, exciting, innovative and the fans will, will maybe not know much about mm. but it excite people. And so it shifts really quickly and it's gone that way. But I just think, there's nothing wrong with getting to the end, just concentrating and playing, and then going right now. What do I want to do? But I've had a clear plan for a long time, and I'd be—I think I'd be mad not to, to do it. But you're right, because of my age and because of experience and all that, it becomes a problem for people, and that whether it's managers seen as a threat. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. So uh, there was clubs who last January were desperate to sign me, and I'd made my mind up on Rangers because I thought I want to go and experience that. The old firm you've played up there, you know what's it's a like. good club. Yeah, like it's huge, massive. It's, it's a monster. How much you don't realize until you're there. Yeah. I say to anybody, you do not realize how big Rangers no. and Celtic are until you're there. Mate, the, so I went through the Glasgow airport the day I signed. It was er, the earliest flight from Norwich. Like terrible flight. I was knackered. Six o'clock. Like not done my barnet or anything really. I thought I'll go get to the hotel, sort myself out, and then go up to the training ground and get it sorted. And um, Bearing in mind, I've flown to Scotland so many times. Been in, I've played for Scotland 30 odd times yeah. for the last seven years. No one blink, blinks an eye at me at all. And as I've got there, I've got my bag off the thing and uh, the airport manager's come up and went, Russell, uh, how are you doing? I was like, yeah, good, thanks. Um, 
we've got about 30 or 40 members of uh, the press, photographers, cameras, they're outside. I need you to just carry on walking through the airport, otherwise it's going to cause a, a scene and they get, get in people's way. And that's what I was thinking, oh, no, it's the last thing I need. Yeah. So I picked up my stuff and as I walked out, I couldn't believe it, mate. I just couldn't see. There was, was just true. flashes. Really? Just banging. I noticed a couple of big cameras and then journalists coming straight over and I was just like... Phew. Wow, this is how this is this. That's how big it is up there, though. You know, the Rangers and Celtic thing, and I was like, and that was a sign of, of, of things to come. But yeah, it's just, and and that's so going back to so January, I decided I was going to Rangers anyway, and I knew it was sort of it was taking time, but it was going to happen. And then um, there was clubs who were desperate to sign me, so offering me like <clears throat> loads more money than I was on. Um, pay would pay money for me to Norwich if I was willing to leave. At the time, I wasn't willing to leave Norwich permanently, so I just wanted the loan. And then you're six months down the line, you're six months old or whatever, and then I've, I've got obviously mutual termination at Norwich, so I'm thinking, ah, oh, it's going to be there'll be loads of options. In January there was there was loads. It's like, oh no, he's nearly 33 now. It's like, well done. I was only six months younger that you know that long ago, and yeah. it's like, yeah, he's nearly 33. And then others are going, yeah, but he wants to be a coach or doesn't he want to be a manager? And it's like, well, yeah, but not yet, not for a good you know five six years yet. He wants to carry on playing and. And I'm, you know, I'm not just wanting to step straight into management. I think you need time to prepare. I think you need to do your, do your hours on the grass. So, um, it's an issue for people, one hundred percent. And sometimes I think maybe I shouldn't be so open about it. But why not? I'm, you know, I base myself, I pride myself on honesty and being, being open and, and being driven. Um, but I would never ever want a manager's job where I've gone the wrong way about it anyway, because. If you get a manager's job or, or a job from stabbing someone else in the back, yeah. it's going to come back and bite you on the bum at some point. So I'd never do that. And as I said, genuinely, my intention at the minute is just to carry on playing and enjoy it for a couple of years whilst learning. I just want to learn. And um, for some people, they uh, can't get their heads around that. Obviously, you find that found that a concern because you were looking for another club. Did you find that at all a concern at Norwich? Because what did you have left there? A year? Yeah. You had a year left at Norwich when, when, when maybe... you came back. Do you think there was an element that they thought thought of you as it's a bit the, of a threat. It, it's the reason I'm sitting in a hotel room in Warsaw talking to you, in my opinion. So I'll be quite candid about it. I haven't spoken about it since I left. Um, Stuart Webber was brilliant with me. Um, and we spoke about a plan, about me when I finish, um, about being at a club, coaching, potentially managing one day. Um, and I don't think you'll mind me saying that because he's come out and said that openly in the press. Uh, was that an issue for the manager of the football club? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And I, I won't say everything that was said between us, but it's the it's the it's the reason I've left Norwich yeah. City Football Club. And I'll be honest, it it still hurts me now. And there was a period of almost grieving for something that I, when you've been such a part of something and experienced some special, really, you know, them deep bonds you get with people because you go through so much emotion, don't you, in football, whether it's high or low. Um, and obviously we had relegations and, and but the, the positives and the promotions or whatever far outweighed all that but when you've been through that with so many people at the football club to then leave that all of a sudden and and when you've been such a big part of it I, I was I became that person at Norwich almost like if there was a problem it was like oh, go go to Russ he'll sort it out whether it's on or off the pitch or oh, if the, one of the players has got a problem can you go and see the manager and I was always that go between and then when it was clear that it wasn't wanted anymore uh, it was difficult, uh, but I feel I, I feel like I handled it with integrity and I stayed professional right till the end. Um, but it was difficult for me, massively. Do you think it's mad that you know the, the way that you speak about Norwich and your bond and connection with the club over the, over the last decade or so, 
and how quick it can come to an end. And sometimes, not that you're forgotten about, obviously, yeah. you know, you're part of the history yeah. there, but there's a there's a part of it you are forgotten as well. Oh, 100%. Because, because the, it moves. Yeah, it moves on. It moves on. Yeah. The, you know, the game, the clubs back, keep I've on moving. I've been back since and there's like, I remember speaking, who was it? You'll always be Russell Martin, but when you go back, you're not Russell Martin, the current player. No, it's 100 so. And that's exactly it. And that, I was speaking to Simon Lapper about it because I went back recently for um, like a business networking event for the club, and it was like they wanted their sponsors a chance to say farewell to me. And Holt he interviewed me, Big Grant. Well, he basically interviewed himself, but uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, I think it was supposed to be about me, but it was about Holt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I'd done it, and it I felt so strange being back. It was weird, mate. It was really weird. And I love the club. I'll always will. And it was people I see it as my club I spent so long there and there's people I'll, I'll be in touch with for life and uh, but I said to a few of them it's like, I just felt really weird being back and, and not being involved in the club yeah. do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and that'll take some getting used to because yeah. I'll be back again soon and obviously we've got the game in the season with Wes and I've got to go back next week to do the media for that which will be good fun but yeah. um, weird weird mate when you've been when you felt such a part of it and and, and people always wanted something from you, whether it's fans or signing, blah, blah, blah. I've gone back and no one was interested at all. Well, doesn't it? Yeah. And it was like, and obviously Holty gets all the adulation and the, fa- the fan, like, they all want to talk to Holty, which is, to be honest, was great. I wasn't, it felt that strange. I weren't really in that mood for that kind of thing. Usually I'm, I'm quite good at that sort of stuff. And I was just sort of taking it all in. And I went and sat um, over in the jail stand for 10 minutes just to have a moment to myself because I didn't even get that when I left. Yeah. It happened so quick. And I was just like, yeah, strange feeling. And it was almost like a, sounds stupid, then it? People are like, shut up, Russ. But it is, when you've spent somewhere, so long somewhere, and been through so much, it was like a, like I was in mourning for like two or three weeks. Yeah. And it was lucky I had the, we were moving back and all that, and I, I had something to just chuck myself into, because otherwise it would have been, um, been quite tough, I think. Because I guess you're lucky in a way, because of how well you did. I don't mean you did well because you were lucky. Yeah. You know, <laughs> lucky to have had that. If you oh, like. unbelievable, yeah, 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 unbelievably lucky, yeah. But then obviously by having that, you don't necessarily have the that feeling, you know, I'd class myself as a journeyman, that yeah. you go to one club, you don't really, uh, you know, you don't, not that you don't have that affinity to the club, yeah, yeah. but the time isn't, isn't there, you don't spend the time in order to get that affinity yeah. and the love both ways, if you like, the love towards you and the yeah. love that you'd have towards a club, you, you feel disposable. Whereas you, you have that brilliant period with Norris, loads of success, a couple of downsides, blah, blah, blah. Your career goes up to, to another level. And then all of a sudden, oh, shit, I'm, I'm disposable like <laughs> yeah. the rest of them. Oh, yeah. That's, I, I think the difficult thing for me was, because we spoke about a plan so much, I genuinely saw myself ending my career there. Yeah. Like in the next few years, uh, started coaching there and eventually managing there, if I'm being honest. Like that was, the plan was set, Jude. That was... The plan, um, the owners knew the plan, the board knew the plan, everyone was on board with it. And to be honest, if I if I retired in August, I'd still be at the club now, coaching. Yeah. So I got offered that. Stuart was brilliant. He offered me, he said, look, if you want to retire today and you don't want to carry on playing, there's a job for you now. Obviously, it might not be a Daniel on the first thing, yeah, because that's difficult, but there's a job here for you and we'll, we'll work around and we'll create what you need in the next few years which was an amazing opportunity. So then I'm wrestling with that decision. And and in the end, my desire to keep playing, because to stop at 32 and to do that is difficult. And, and whether that's driven by ego, my ego, because I want to keep playing and prove to people, or whether that's driven by 
actually, I want to, I want to go and prove you wrong a little bit. Do you yeah. know what? The manager yeah, yeah. wrong a little bit and show that I've still got a bit. But in the end, I genuinely think it just was it was me not ready to finish. And everyone I spoke to like, no, you've got too much to offer as a player. You've got to carry on playing. And and I was wrestling with that decision for a bit. And then it was like, if I leave Norwich here, this, I might not be back for a few years. And Stuart might be gone by the time I come back. Or there might be new owners in charge. The club might have totally changed. So it, it was one of them. And, and it's not always, it's, it's easy to say, I'm going to go back there. And I want to. But it's not always as easy as no. that, is it? No. Um, it's easier if you like, if you are there and you become the guy who, right, manager's left, ah, Russia's here to step up. Yeah, yeah. But as soon as you as soon as you leave, the ties are cut, if you like. I mean, yeah, yeah. You might have a couple of connections here and there, but yeah. you're not there. They don't see you every day. No, exactly. Have that yeah. yeah, yeah. And and so, and that was a difficult bit. That was a difficult bit for me. And as you said, that you become... I never thought I was indispensable. Never. Because you're not. Yeah. You're not as a footballer. You're never in any walk of life. There's always someone who can come in and replace you. But I felt I bought something unique because I knew the club so well I knew the people so well and I feel like um, and Stuart used me in that way to be fair in terms of the staff and, and what he was trying to implement and things like that and I think that could have still been a massive advantage for their manager yeah. and most managers use me in, in that way so even if I, if he had said to me look you might not play very much but I still want you in the squad and I want you to be this but it wasn't it was just like bang harsh you're out yeah. see you later you have too much power for a player that was it yeah. simple as that yeah, yeah. Like, bang done. And, and the funny thing about football is you know everyone will everyone will keep everyone will always always remember your time at the club yeah but because the club's doing so well now that makes you even more of a goal <laughs> man if you like yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean yeah, if they're yeah. struggling now there'd yeah, be a, yeah. a question about bloody hell maybe you should have kept seeing your players but they're doing so mm. well okay now he's right he's the hero yeah. would, would it have changed very much if we actually were still there and not playing much and been in around it I don't think so but fair play to him and do you know what mate I'm not I'm not bitter one bit I appreciate so much what I got from the club I love the football club my kids are supporters they've all got the kits um, I know what a role it's played in my life yeah. and I know what role I played in, in <clears throat> the last however long with their success and stuff like that so I'm totally comfortable with that and I'm buzzing that they're doing so well not for some reason, but for the players yeah. and for the work that the steward and that have put in off the pitch and the owners and the people, I'm delighted for them, mate. I couldn't, honestly, I could not be happy because there's young boys in there who, are, who Gilly played a massive part in and I take great pride in that because I think I, I've tried to help him over the last over long when I was involved with his group as well. Yeah. And now I think, fair play, like you've got a chance that we, I wanted you to have earlier than that and I think they've taken it with both hands and I, I'll be delighted to see him get promoted and, and, and genuinely I would 100% let's be honest this is not an interview with the Pinkin so let's, let's put <laughs> that's let's, me being honest I swear you know, no, let's, I'm, I'm not criticising you I'm saying let's forget about the current stuff let's go back let's go back to the start when you turned up as a Norwich City player did you take the number 6 shirt you were the first person to speak to me was I yeah you and Gilly were both injured shock <laughs> <laughs> I came in from medical with Si do you remember with Simon and Stephen and uh, no, I can't you, remember. you can't remember so I remember my first day you wouldn't remember would you but for me it was a big day so on, I, came, yeah, I came in you and Gilly I thought who the fuck is that big guy it's <laughs> massive uh, with little Gilly next to you uh, and uh, yeah I was in the physio room and you guys were in the gym and I'd been coming through the back door yeah um, and so I'd seen you and then Gilly had seen me and he came in straight. So you'd, you'd gone past the conservatory, seen me lifting big weights. Yeah, yeah. you were doing step-ups, mate, yeah, with a uh, weighted vest on. Oh. This is how vividly I remember oh, it. Yeah, with the ball up there, mate. You were nearly touching the ceiling. Nice. Holding the ball above your head. 
Gilly don't know what he's doing, bantering, <laughs> bantering about something, pretending to do his work. And uh, so Gilly came straight in and went, here he is, Peterborough boy, and all that, giving it that one. And I yeah. thought, oh, he's, he's, he's a lovely fella, this guy. Got him right, to be fair. And then um, you hadn't actually come in. I thought, oh, the big guy's cold. <laughs> it's ruthless. So si was doing my medical and uh, done all that. Like, And Gilly came and gave me banter about my body. He's ripped up and all that. So I just pecked. I thought, this fella's so lively. Yeah. And then I came into the... Um, into the dressing room in the corner because I always got the six and obviously you were wearing the seven dog, weren't you? Yeah. And then you walked in, shook my hand all that quite serious and then you said something, you went, um, oh, so uh, here he is, the next Adam Drury then. And at the time, I I didn't know it and I was like, oh, right, yeah. And you were like, yeah. Adam had been unbelievable. And like getting really intense about was Adam, that? yeah. And I was like, quite, he's putting some pressure on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you oh, said yeah. something like, oh, if you do half as well as Drury, you'll be oh, all right, mate. You'll be I really right. rated Adam. Yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah. Adam's agent. Jesus so Christ. Caught, and I nearly caught up with him, to be fair, in the end. But yeah, um, yeah so I remember you two were the first two I spoke to. I thought, oh, these guys are nice fellas. And got given the six, and I remember opening the door, and it was Hux's old locker, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm not sure anyone had worn it since he left. Because uh, it was, it was yeah, written on the way inside, Yeah, it? like Hux, Huckabee 6, he'd written big in the locker. Yeah. And then like Hux was here or, so, or follow this or something like that. And I was like, oh, bloody hell. Why have they given me the 6? This is fucking... <laughs> they've given like a basic League 1 right back the 6 dog after Darren Huckabee. <laughs> Cheers. Um, and but, then a gaffer showed me around at Carrow and I was just like, wow. Funnily enough, I remember... Gilly would tell the story better, but our first meeting, so me and Gilly had become so close, lived with him when we first went there, but we first met in the dressing room, obviously we were first signings alongside yeah. Nels, and he's come up to me and he thought, oh, this guy's real cold. <laughs> well, it must it must be how I train myself in front of people I don't Once know. Once you open up that shoes. Yeah, it takes, warm, it takes a while, yeah, it takes exactly. a while to flow out, yeah. right? But what a dressing room. Oh, mate, I'm the... I knew within two days I was just going to love it. I was like, and to be fair to the gaffer, he'd said, I've got an unbelievable group of players here. He said, we just need a hand in a few positions. You loved that one, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, just, just need a hand. hand. Yeah, yeah. He was like, but what a group. He said, they, he said, they're, I can't believe I've come into it. He said, I thought they'd be on their arse after Colchester. And he said, it, and don't get me wrong, they were, it was too easy. They were getting away. They weren't fit. But he said, they bought into everything. They'd been unbelievable. He said, we've got a few characters and all that. Um, and he, he was, it was him. He was the reason I came. I had a chance to go back up to my hometown club at Brighton. Yeah, which obviously was the the dream to go and play back for your hometown club and all that. And they'd just got a new, they were getting a new stadium. It'd been improved and all that. And then the gaffer rang me, and I was at Peter still at the time. He was like, do "You fancy it?" And I was like, "Playing for you again? Yeah, I do. I've never even been to Norwich. One of the grounds I never played at. And I drove across, met him and Dave McNally in uh, in Yellows, but it was night time, so I didn't see the ground properly. Got it all sorted, and I was just buzzing to be back with uh, with Paul Lambert again. To be honest, after two years at Wickham, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, just remember walking in, and, and the boy is so lively, and you'd started picking up a bit. To be fair, hadn't you? Like you'd gone like a, a month unbeaten or whatever. You got some good results against Wickham, Charlton, and all that, um, and it was starting to the, to the boat was slowly turning back, and um, he was just like, yeah, we have got a few we need to get out, but the rest are brilliant. And he was right. I was like, Chrissy was so loud. Chrissy might have a young lad. I was thinking. Oh, he's got to be some player he's, and then you obviously had Spillane who was funny and then them two like bouncing and then you and Gilly and Nels 
recycling Gilly's jokes all the time. Always. Still is. Still is. <laughs> then you had Hughesy and Laps, like the, the angry Scotsman. Oh, it's just a great mix. Holty, obviously, Holty being, you heard him before you, you saw him. but um, Big Yens. Big Yens. What mate. a joker. He was, he was, he was colder <laughs> than you, mate. He, he, had a, he had a death stare, Yens, didn't he? I actually really liked him. Oh, my God. He was so serious. I, try, I remember trying to give him bant on like the third day because... He obviously didn't have many friends in the dressing at this point yet. He wasn't that close to him, so he was like coming and talking to me. I was like, this guy's a nice guy. And I remember I tried to crack a joke, and he just like stared at me, and I was like, all right. And I started jogging a bit quicker in the warm-up. thought, I'll go and go to a bigger group. But he was, yeah, he was a nice guy. And you still had Theo there, mate. And I was like, this guy kept smiling on a rower, like just getting ripped up, showing us pictures of it going to London at the weekend. He was, he was the one that the gaffer... Wanted out more than yeah. anyone, Theo, yeah. and he was testing him. Yeah. And he Theo just, just did everything that was asked to him with a smile. Oh. Morning, lads. Yeah. How you doing, lads? Oh, oh you're in early, Theo. <laughs> yeah, been uh, been jogging around the pitch 15 times, mate. <laughs> what a lovely guy, mate. Wasn't he? I think I remember coming by this guy, Russ, you've seen this? And I was like, what's that, mate? It's a picture of him and his miss outside Big Ben. He was just loving life in England. You I'm weren't like, looking at Big Ben. Well played, Theo. And I was like, and then my mate actually went and played with him as Theo's number two in Brisbane for really? a while. I was like, oh, he's the nicest guy ever. But um, yeah, it was just a great dress. And even the lads who were going out, like they weren't bad guys, were they? Just weren't the gaffers kind of players. And like, to be fair, Goran Marich kept parking. Do you remember him, Goran? Yeah. He kept parking my fucking parking space, mate. And I remember you and Gilly. Yeah, you and Gilly were having me off about it. You've got to speak to him, Russ. But he was fucking. He was more scary than Jens. He didn't talk to anyone. He was like so strange character. So was he Serbian? I can't remember. He'd been at Barcelona now, hadn't he? Hey, those Serbians, mate. You don't mess with that. Mate, and I was like, but I was trying to get in earlier every day, and he was there again. <laughs> I was like, lads are moving his car or something. Like, oh. This went on for three or four weeks, James. I'm, I'm having to go and park in like Squad Thirty Five or whatever, and I'm thinking, I want to park in the six. This is my space. It's close to the door. And then Goran just kept parking in there. I was like, Goran, you um, parking in my space? Yes. <laughs> I was like, all right, tomorrow I'll park in there? Okay. Come back. He's parking in my space again. I was, I was furious. And in the end, I think he got the pick. I know he just left. He got paid up. But that would have carried on, mate. I had nothing. <laughs> what can I do? I was like, I've just come. Like, what? Young lad, just enjoying it. Do you know we're always, you know, you're talking about facilities, training grounds. Having a parking space with your number out, that was a big I deal. How much was I loved that. That was a step up, wasn't it? Wasn't it? I know. Well, I've been used to people driving to the stadium and then going to training from getting changed at the stadium. Yeah. Again. yeah so but that was the first thing when I came to Colney. I was like, wow, this training ground isn't. Even though the gym was in a conservatory, I was yeah. like, doesn't matter. This training ground is phenomenal because it was just different to what yeah. we, what I was from, used to, what yeah, you from, were used to. Yeah, from what from what we were used to. I mean, look, even if I look at it now, it's brilliant. Hmm. from what it was to what it is now it's brilliant but when we first signed I think all of us were just buzzing to be there weren't we everyone was just delighted to be there I was I was just like this is and I think you've listened I think you've listened to my podcast with Crofty where I was giving him a bit of stick for coming in just bowling him (laughs) and taking my number seven shit which meant I went all the way around I was next to Jens but also meant I lost my fucking car back space I was right in the back you were parking the one I parked in when Goran was nicking my space mate you weren't as far back as the 33 (laughs) that's a chance I was back our road do you know what I remember actually having a chat with Crofty about that when he came in and like giving him a bit about it because I knew Crofty from Peter and stuff and he genuinely felt so bad about taking your number, mate. Did he pull you about it? Nah, nah. You can't really, can nah, you? Do I know, you know what I mean? I know. But the gaffer was just, he had the place on toast, didn't he? I, I, to, I knew it from the minute I walked in, it was exactly the same as Wickham, where lads were not in fear of him, because fear 
you know, sh- shows that you, you probably don't like it and you, you're genuinely fearful of something, but there was so much respect for him, wasn't there? As soon as you walked in, the place just like went up a notch and everyone was on their toes ready for if they was going to give him a bit of banter and all that. And he'd, 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 I'd seen all that at Wickham and I was like, I knew what was coming, obviously. And then the new boys were quite new of him still. And when he was doing his little things, like he'd say certain bits and leave little comments, and I'm thinking, I've seen all this before, but it's brilliant. Yeah. And he still had that impact on me. Like, even though I'd worked with him before, I remember the, in the championship when he pulled everyone in, and after the, it was literally after the first game, he was fuming about how he played against Watford. We were the opening game on Sky. And, and there's a ball that came, and I just volleyed it straight back in. He was like, what the fuck is that? Like in front of everyone on the video. I was like, uh, I'm just like, nah. We fucking play, bring the ball down and play. And I was like, straight away from that meeting, I knew the lads were like, it was, we were ready for it, do you know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was, it was just had this feeling, didn't it? Everything was just ready to go. I find it mad. To talk, I often talk about Paul, Paul Lambert, right? The best motivator I've come across yeah, in yeah. club football, most definitely. And I find it crazy. The perception of him now is, you know, whether it's fans or what have you, as this. Not a useless manager, but just one of those managers that does the rounds. And I'm thinking, it actually frustrates me. Now. I'm thinking you you don't get it because mm-hmm. I know I know when he went into Stoke and it looks as if it didn't go well for him. But being friends with Joe and talk, know Fletch spoke out so highly of him. Talk, they were talking him. with Joe and he was buzzing off him yeah. to start with, and he was he was telling me what he was doing. I kept asking questions: Is he doing this? Is he doing yeah, this? Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. And, he is, yeah, yeah. and Joe would understand his. Uh, when Lambo would be having people off mm. and sometimes they don't understand it yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're the players he wants out yeah, really yeah, yeah. but it was so it's still him it's just results they just Charlie Adam missed a last minute penalty yeah, no, and this no. and that and that was a tough job to go into listen let's put all the Ipswich before Norwich fans get the ump let's put the Ipswich stuff aside that's where he is now he's gone we're talking about Paul Lambert as we knew him and, and now we take him I still speak to him now like I, I've for what he'd done for my career yeah the, the biggest influence in my career in terms of being a manager and everything else and yeah. um, I just I love the way he sees the game I think it's brilliant but um, wherever he is now that's you know that's fine but well I, as soon as he got the Ipswich job I thought oh for fuck's sake Gaffer that's really going to affect how many people listen yeah. when I do a podcast <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he, yeah I was quite surprised he took it to be fair but I think he's ballsy isn't he yeah he's you know he's he sees it as something he can really have an influence on and change. And to be fair, if you look at it since he left, though, he went to Villa, the wage bill was cut in half, and he kept them up for two years. They then went and spent 100 million and got relegated. Yeah. So it shows you actually done an all right job. Yeah. Really, let's, let's be honest. He went to Blackburn, where it was a shambles, kept him in the league, didn't want to stay. It was his own choice because the club was a mess, the way it was being run. Then went to Wolves, and they were proper struggling, kept them in the league, and then all of a sudden they get taken over by these new owners, and they want to go a different route yeah. and it's paid off for him it's been the right one but he didn't do a bad job there yeah. he took him on a cup run kept him in the league so when you actually look at it he's never had the success he had at Norwich because he's gone to different places that need different things yeah. and then the Stoke one obviously is a, everyone was surprised he gets another crack at the Premier League well everyone who doesn't know what he's about was surprised he gets another crack at the Prem and it didn't quite work out but as you said the lads who worked for him were, were buzzing with him it's not the best part though is when you know somebody is having people off like he would testing players yeah. keeping them on their toes yeah. but they don't know so you can just in that dressing room we'd sometimes sit back you'd never want Lambo screaming at you no. you never wanted to be the player that had done something wrong no. so if you're in a dressing room and he'd be going around the dressing room telling people what he thought you did not want that finger pointed at you no. but 
I've never been someone to be scared of a man. Yeah. He's probably the closest I've come to yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah. oh my God, he's going to kill me now. <laughs> you know, but just an unbelievable respect, isn't it? Oh, mate, he was, yeah, like, with the fines thing, obviously, we played a big part because <laughs> he loved taking, the, he had a Maserati, didn't he? Lads used to joke about he needed to pe- 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 put petrol in, but he was just, uh, it was just, he just had an aura about him, didn't he? And it, he was just brilliant with it. And in mind games, in terms of, Getting lads to do what he wants, brilliant, and keeping people on their toes. Well, even when we got to the Premier League, he never wanted people getting carried away with themselves. And it was like someone bought a new car. He he, he didn't miss a trick. Man. Really? Ah, oh, someone bought a new car. Who's that? He's what? Range Rover in the in the drive. And I was like, uh, I don't know, Gaffer. Fucking find out who it is. <laughs> Send him to my office. Really? Yeah, and they'd be like, oh shit. Uh, so the Gaffer wants to see you, mate, about your car, <laughs> and he'd be fuming. I'm like, what the fuck have you done with your car? Why are you getting a car? New car. Think we've got the Premier League and made it. Well, no, Gaffer, my car deal was up, and like you generally had to explain it to him. And I, I, I remember to the point where even my little, my first child had been born. Well, no, I was being born. I went to see him, Gaffer. Look, my missus, she's in labour during the night, and we were playing Newcastle at home. You know, I might not make the game. What? Well, I don't want to be there for. Tell her you'll have another one. See you at 12 o'clock. <laughs> Put the phone down, but I thought, uh, Jazz, uh, I'm going to go and play. I'll give my phone <laughs> to the riggers, the kit man, and if anything happens, call and I'll come straight off. And her mum was fuming. My mother-in-law, she was like, I can't believe you're doing this. Yeah. Luckily, played, rung, she was like, yeah, I'm, I need to go to hospital now. And to be fair to the gaffer, she said to the club, get him out straight away, and they police escort me straight out of the stadium. So just stuff like that. But any other manager was like, no, I'm not playing. Yeah. I'm going with my wife to the hospital. Because yeah, it's it was, a strange, even even yeah. someone listening to that right now will think, oh, he's out of order. Yeah. But it's I not like that, that. When, yeah, no, yeah. when you're living it. Yeah. If yeah. I if I genuinely thought I was out of order, I wouldn't have gone. But I was weighing it up and I was like, I want to go and play for you know what? If I didn't want it, I wouldn't have gone, would I? So I ended up playing. We won. It was a great day. But yeah, it's stuff like that. And, and then I came in the next day and I was like, he was like, how is it? Congratulations. And I was like, oh mate. And that's what I said. I was so tired. Oh mate. Like, what'd you call me? I was like, oh no no. I just say it. I was just say. Twenty quid. Twenty quid. Twenty quid. I was like, I was like, Gaffer. I was in the kit room, just me and my rig. I was like, Gaffer, no one's even heard it. I was like, my little one's just been born. Like, ah, twenty quid. I'll double it if you carry on. Yeah. I remember walking back to my locker. And I was so tired. I was like, fuck's sake. But I still didn't have a problem with that. That's yeah. how much he had the place, just where he wanted it, wasn't it? it was, yeah. He had such respect for him. Um, but he was, he was brilliant. Yeah. And he, to be fair, he hammered me a few times in front of that. He's done it. Everyone had their turn, didn't they? At some point, he'd always pick pick people and I felt there were certain people who he'd hammer just to prove a point to the rest because I obviously got loads of banter about being the gaffer's son because I played him at Wickham and all that stuff especially when I first came in Paul McVay and Holty were relentless with it yeah. oh let's ask the gaffer's son and that I was like to the point where I was like fucking shut up Maco with his voice and I was like fucking hell just that's eating away yeah, <laughs> yeah it did yeah but oh he was brilliant oh, and he's done what he's done now whatever but um, oh, can only speak. we can only speak from experience can't we so and as a non-drinker, Russ, you still enjoyed a good couple of nights out yeah, with the boys. Cool. We, hey, we enjoyed we enjoyed the night out as well, didn't we? Oh, what? A, that was a big part of it, wasn't it? The togetherness that we had and the night the nights out and the group we had was. To be fair, see, sometimes when you don't drink, it's difficult, and you're thinking. Pff, but with you boys, didn't need to look after anyone. Like that's usually my that was usually my job wherever I'd been at clubs or and even up to this point like because you ain't drinking you're the one who's keeping your eye on people and oh god have a make sure he's alright or he don't get in trouble because he can get a bit chirpy but with our lads it weren't no one was going out for anything but just to have a crack with the boys yeah. like no one was sloping off and apart from you at like four in the morning you had too many but it was just brilliant mate what like some of the 
some of the night they were mental, weren't they? But like not in a not an offensive to anyone. Yeah. Just everyone just letting themselves their head up. Do you know the thing is with footballers when you go out a lot of the time, you get this thing where oh, I'm too cool to like fully relax or I want to like look cool. Do you know what I mean? It's one of them where no one really has a go or, or no one really has a good time because everyone's worried about how they're looking or like it's, or it's the other one where they just go too far. Yeah. Where they feel invincible and because they're footballers, it's like get away with anything. You start abusing people and like doing things. It's like, where it's not very nice. Yeah. And that's like not enjoyable either. But with us boys, it was just. Brilliant, mate. I just remember, and also I probably remember more of it than you boys yeah, do. But oh, mate, some of the things I said, it was tremendous. Oh, it's brilliant. That, the Christmas party in London has to stand mate, out. Your picture it? when you call me is still you in a scuba, in a scuba suit. Yeah, really? I'll show you in a minute. Yeah, so that. like Tudor Jones comes up, OTJ, and it's you in a scuba thing. Brilliant. What, what and then Gilly in the cage. <laughs> That's his picture on his phone. Like, amazing. He was gutted, Gilly, because the plan was I've got this. Um, I bought Mario and Luigi from China. Yeah, yeah. I've said it before, it didn't arrive in time. So we had to change. I'd done the scuba man before. And then Gilly, I made sure, girls, you need one just in case because yeah. this thing hasn't left China. Yeah. And then it got to this country and it was snowing. I'm like, mate, we need plan B. Yeah. So he's like, oh, what shall I go as? And I advise him, I'm looking through Google and this and that. And then I find the one where right, it's gorilla a gorilla with a man like stuck in the cage. <laughs> And he's like, oh, okay. So he gets that. We turn up at the hotel. We're going out in like 20 minutes. You need a fucking screwdriver, mate. You've got to put it all together. Don't put it all together. <laughs> mate, what about when you got rugby tackled? Oh, it was the funniest thing. Do you Which, not remember that? Oh, my God, So we're yeah. in the sports cafe yeah, in Piccadilly. Yeah. Oh, mate. So boys were like... Ah, so because someone had gone as an American football player. Yeah, yeah. So he was carrying <laughs> the ball. I the ball, mate. I felt so bad. Like, Russ, who was it? Who was it? I'm not sure if it was... I can't remember who it was. Was it Holly? It might have been. He was like, throw this ball near Gilly and I'm just going to wallop him. Yeah. And I was like, all right. And the thing snapped. And you just heard Gilly go, ah! And then he piled on top of him. And I was like, Gilly didn't move, did he? I was like, oh my God, we've actually pierced him with a bamboo. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> Gilly's dead, lads. And that's all like, there was like a moment of silence. And a few of the Celtic boys were in there, do you remember? Yeah. And I was like, fuck, he's dead. <laughs> weren't moving so I'm like lads were like joking I weren't drinking I was like shit so I've gone over Gills you alright and he was like ah, pretending to be like passed out yeah and I was like checking to see if the bamboo it was everywhere <laughs> see if like he'd been cutting and he, he'd come at, like about 30 seconds later I was like fucking hell it's like my ribs and Holty absolutely I think it was Holty just walloped him and then one of the lads came out I won't mention who but came out of the toilet do you remember stark bollock yeah, yeah. And walked just out. Went, it, went into the toilet in his outfit and walked Came out just out. of his own accord. No one had said anything to him. Just follicle. Just walked starkers with up a hat down on. The stairs. Mate, he went to the top of the stairs in his sports cafe in Piccadilly, which was so busy. Like There was hundreds of people downstairs watching different games and just stood and started walking down the stairs. All of a sudden, you just saw phones coming out. Like there was a, <laughs> I, This is the memory I have. It's this group of Chinese people, literally about 20 of them, they all just went vroom with their cameras and phone and just filming walking down the stairs. And yeah. then I was obviously in charge of the whip and all that because I weren't drinking. And then you the, just said it was your job to control <laughs> I know, no, I was trying. But that's when the guy came over and went, um, I think it's time for you to leave. And I was like, yeah, don't worry, mate. I think we're done. And that's when we went on our... Uh, oh, my God. That's when we went through London and you got in the fountain, which is probably really offensive, but it was podcast that I talked about that on Zach. So Everyone's crafty. Yeah, you got you got to listen back to Zach. <laughs> story that. And but, then um, Nels doing the traffic, and he might, he was having the time of his life. That double decker getting. getting mate, taken. What's about Wes jumping off the double decker? 
How he didn't die is beyond me. And also, because he was dressed as a leprechaun. <laughs> that head was massive. Do, do you remember him jumping in the yeah. bin? In the bin That's lorry. what I'm saying. From yeah, the yeah, double-decker. Sorry. He jumped from the top of the double-decker bus into a bin lorry, which anything could have been in there, by the way. Like a cage bin lorry, yeah. right? And he was just in there, just chucking rubbish about. Like, <laughs> like, I'm not... You're all steaming, thinking it was a brilliant... You're all on the bus, like... Wait. I'm trying to sort the driver out. The driver's going, I'm calling the police. I'm like, no, no, no. Listen, I'm, I'll get him. I'm driving back. them to yeah. the police station. Actually, I was. Actually, I did have to look after you lot. <laughs> so, where's this thing gone? I was like, where's get down? The police are coming. Where's has just jumped off the bus into this bin lorry, mate, which could have moved, which could have had anything sharp in it. Needles. I was like, what the? I've seen Hulan do some crazy things that he's steaming, but that was up there with him pushing a guy in a wheelchair down the Prince of Wales Road as fast as he could and then halfway down, letting the guy go, and the guy's going, whoa! He's a Norwich fan, the guy. He spent the evening with us. And his mate's running after him down Prince of Wales. And you know at Prince of Wales, it gets to a, luckily, and there's a little bridge. Yeah. So it starts going uphill. Yeah. He gets to the top, and I'm thinking, if he goes over it, he's fucked. He's hitting a bus or something. And he gets to the top, and I'm thinking, he's going over. And all of a sudden, he just starts rolling back down. I was like, thank fuck for that. I've never seen anyone more easily influenced than Wes. Oh, Wes, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He just said, yeah, do this, Wes. And then he'd do it, and then he'd come back to yeah. me, like, so. Not guilty, but he'd feel the shame. Oh, and he'd be mate. like, oh, big man, can't believe I did that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. He'd be apologising yeah, to me for doing something. amazing, wouldn't he? Um, oh, but honestly, when he jumped off that bus, I thought, this is big trouble. Yeah, Gilly nearly broke his ankle. You, you, his you were talking about the Celtic players there. All yeah. I remember is we'd been out the night before uh, in a club and Celtic were in the club as well and Joe Ledley was steaming and Josh Dawkins, the young lad. <laughs> yeah, he had Josh, enough, didn't he? Because Josh had played for like Wales under 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd been talking to him. So he, yeah. all he was talking about that morning over breakfast was how close he is with Joe Led. No, or did he say he mugged him off or something? Yeah, yeah, he mugged him off. Ah, yeah. mugged Joe yeah, Ledley off, off yeah. But then Celtic walk into the bar <laughs> when we're perfect, all dressed yeah. up and the lad's just singing songs. Yeah. There's only one Joe Ledley. <laughs> and then shouting, Dogs, dogs, are you going to talk to your mate? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I've never seen someone go red in my oh, life. Mate, mate, it was amazing. But the Celtic players were thinking, what well, they were just like these groups. What have we stepped into? Yeah, no, they were all in their normal gear and that, weren't they? It was like, what are they doing? They left pretty quickly, to be fair. But that epitomised. Again, right? no one had got affected. The bus driver probably got a bit annoyed, but apart from that, probably couldn't have done it these days, could we? Is the camera oh, man, phone imagine that social media? Because we were on well, the, the black- phones were out then. We were on, on the BlackBerry black messenger, weren't it? But imagine that now. That would have been straight on, and the person who was uh, walking naked down would have been revealed pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> even told him to do it mate I don't know what what would Lambo have said mate oh mate six of us would have been sacked after that I think I would have been one and and a couple of you happily by the way he would have happily sacked (laughs) to get some more money in the no he'd have got paid up for sacking exactly he would have got some more money yeah yeah, that's what I'm saying McNally would have been in his ear get rid of this guy oh mate what oh someone yeah it was brilliant what was it like then after that after that period that's a a podcast on its own mate we could do two hours on that but after that because I know that when clubs drop down and you've got to change the personnel, for some reason you get a better togetherness. And then as you start climbing up the leagues again, more money, more money comes in, players treat it more as a business. Yeah. I'm sure you still have a good dressing room, but I'd imagine not quite the same um, towards the end. So, yeah, when even the first year of Prem, I thought the dressing was brilliant because we'd sign players for more money and all that mm-hmm. stuff but they all bought into it and they were still like Wardy, Sirs, all down to earth people so the so first year of Prem, I mean Carl Norton who came in on land from Spurs was a really good lad um, like Johnny Elson came in like great lad so it was like 
Bradley Johnson, they were all just really good lads as well. So no one minded if people were coming in on more money and stuff like that. Yeah. And then when Paul left, we had a really young, hungry British team. And then it changed when Chris came in, all of a sudden we signed a few foreign lads for big money on much more money than what we'd been on and to help the club get there. Yeah. Um, and, and you can say it's not, but that always becomes an issue at some point. Um, we stayed up with Chris and the dressing was still pretty good. I think it, it did change. The dynamic slowly changes when a manager starts bringing in what they want and how they want it to look like. So you see some really good lads and you think he could still be doing a job for us, yeah. more than a job. And actually, he's really important to the dressing room. And slowly, they start, start leaving. And then by the, the, the time Chris left, it was a million miles away from where it was under Paul. And in my, in my opinion, probably with the biggest reason why we got relegated. Yeah. Probably the biggest reason. And, and I, when you've seen it firsthand, you, you, you get to the Premier League and then you do need to change. You do need to evolve. But I don't, for me, Norwich was that club where everyone was so happy to be playing for him. It was like, this is the pinnacle. We're going to Norwich and want to prove ourselves in the Premier League. And then it became lads coming in going, oh, I'll play for Norwich because it's the most money. I'll do the I'll do yeah. a year or two. Yeah, or play for Norwich because I'm in the Premier League stepping stone to something bigger. Mm. And that shift in mentality, I couldn't accept. Because it was like, we're fucking, you're playing for a club who fills it up every every week in the Premier League a club that's worked its bollocks off to get where we are and and you just come in and like, you don't really care and we had players who properly cared do you know what I mean and fans will always say oh no one cares there's no loyalty and all that and I get that like people move on and you know I, I found that out you know quite a brutal way but this we had players who would have been happy to be there for a long time mm. and I felt we, there should have been a group of eight, nine or ten, even if not playing every week in the Premier League, that could have stayed and done a job, but knew what the club was about. Yeah. And it probably only ended up, there was probably only a couple of us that had known what the club's about and what it should be about, in my opinion. And it should, what it should be about is hard work and hunger and the desire and being proud to play for it because it's miles away, isn't it? Yeah. Players, you, when they were trying to attract foreign players, they missed out on loads because it ain't close enough to London or Manchester or a major city or they didn't see it as a big enough club. That's why they then invested. They've started investing in Colney because you need to then have another. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. need to have another attraction. So the attraction for them players, it was obvious, was finance, because we'd hit the Premier League and the money was coming. It was good and people were getting paid. We were, we were paying a lot of money for players who probably didn't do enough in the end. So there becomes resentment for that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. we played a huge part in getting the club to a certain place. Now players are coming in on double what we're earning, but not contributing anywhere near. What we are, what we are still. And for, what's funny is, for for you to approach those players to say to want them to give yeah, yeah. more of a fuck, they don't care. No. Those players are so aloof, if you like. And that's why in the in the in the, in the Premier League, or whatever, you might you might not get that same together as you get in the lower leagues because everyone's got their own stuff going on. See, they're earning that that sort of money. They've all got their own things going on, or they move from abroad, they bring out family and friends with them, so they're not interested in, in, in integrating so much. And it wasn't all, I'm not saying all the foreign players were, oh, they were terrible, there was a big divide. Yeah. It wasn't. It was still quite, it was a good place to work. We had quite a good culture, but there's just some that didn't buy into it as much as, as others. And some who just, it was bad recruitment, just didn't fit the football club or what we were about. And I think we lost what we were about at the time. So maybe that was it, difficult. And then it came back round again. Yeah, strange, isn't it? Yeah, then it came back round because... Because that, that would have been an issue before we arrived. Yeah. That the players ended up being on money that was too yeah. much money, if you like. Yeah. And then you get a, the dressing that we had. 
are they as good a player? Maybe not. They're on much less wages, but you just have that togetherness. Yeah, yeah. Special, aren't it? But that comes, yeah, one hundred percent is special. But that comes from leadership as well, because the manager, he played a big part in that, in my opinion. Because we could have just been a group together. What we had, what he's really, what he was really good at and clever with is, he built his team or, or the dressing room around characters that he knew would be would would naturally do that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So like keeping you and Gilly about the place important. 100%. You couldn't fucking get me out, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, but keeping Nels as well around the yeah. place, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He knew how important it was, 100%. And if he could keep all you boys but, and you'd be happy not to play or whatever, he would have done because he knew how important that is. And I think a lot of managers forget that. I think it's like, well, if if he ain't playing for me, I can get them wages and use them elsewhere for another player. Yeah. But actually, the harmony of your football team and, and the environment that we train in and, and play in and spend that much time together... That's just as important, if not more important. Yeah. And we had that, and then it came full circle because we then got relegated to the championship, and all of a sudden the clubs then going and resting people who we probably should have got the the first time round, young, hungry, you know, not not British. I'm not. We had some foreign boys as well, um, but they were desperate to come and play for Norwich and champ, and knew they had a right chance getting to the Premier League. Yeah. And that's what happened. <laughs> and then, the, and there was a really good dressing room to be in again. And then it goes again. We get to the Premier League, and that. So I think. As you move with a club, it becomes really difficult to go right. Because let's be honest, right? When we were in League One, Norwich didn't sit down and go, right, the plan is to get in the Premier League for two years. Then we want it to look like this. Then it's got to look like this. It was like, fucking hell. In my opinion, they were keeping up with us on the pitch. We were going bang, 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 being successful, going, winning games. It was like, then the rest had to play catch up. You don't have time to then go and plan, do you? You're just dealing with what's with yeah. what's happening. The team's almost moving too fast for the club. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, and then I think we, we stayed up the first year in the Premier League and then the club tried to move fast, too fast for the team, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like all of a sudden when I was hearing talk about Europe, I want to get into Europe, like David was coming out to the fans saying we should be aiming for Europe, we're spending this much money on players. And it was like, whoa, whoa, old fire a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's, let's fucking try and establish ourselves. But, and when I look at it, probably the most disappointing thing, if I look at how Bournemouth have done it, Swansea until last year when they, big reason I feel they lost their identity, they... Similar sort of thing. They went away from what they were, what got them there in the first place. Mm. Um, but if you look at them and even Southampton, I know are struggling now. Teams who who came up with us or a year after us and managed to establish themselves. It frustrates me. It really frustrates me. Yeah. But it is what it is, and, and it was a brilliant time to be involved. But for me, that's the best dressing room. I'm sure everyone who's been on here with you is, and I had a brilliant dressing room at Wickham. I loved it. Like a real good group. Um, but that dressing room, mate, special. And it? it was. It's one of them where you look. In football, you never get a chance to like reflect, to just even stand still and go, "What's going on here?" You don't, do you? No, it's just so it's next game, day, next right, training yeah. day, next. I want to bet. I want to be best at this next gym session or whatever. And then you look back and you think, at the time, we probably didn't appreciate how special it was. You might never get that again. Yeah. And then I was real, obviously, real close with Crofty and that. And the day he left, I remember looking around and thinking, probably not going to be the same around. Around here, do you know, not for me, but just in general, and laps leave, leaves, and then Adam leaves. Well, it is for you personally as well because you make yeah. connections and you know you've been on this journey together, and yeah. then slowly but surely you see it. Yeah, it slowly goes, yeah. it? and then you become actually, in the end, me and Wes were the only two there from from that that time, and you're trying to try and explain what it was like and and stuff but it's never when new people come not really interested oh, they just no. want to play football and it's like they've and you don't want to be that experience. you don't want to be that guy who's going well back in the day or when Paul Lambert was manager or when this was 
you don't want to be that guy, do you? Yeah. I'm, I'm conscious of that now. When the boys at Walsall ask me, like, oh, in the Prem, like, what, who was the hardest player you played against? And, and I'm like, I'm telling them that. And then I'm conscious, like, I don't want to give them too much where I sound like, oh, when I used to play in the Premier League. And, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. one of them, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a special time, mate. Unbelievable. I'm sure and you'll say the same. It was probably the best. I don't know, I can't speak for you, but the dressing room. That's, that's without me even playing. Yeah. You know, people, I know, yeah, you felt that good about it. Pe- and, people often look at me my time at at Norwich and they'll be like uh, rubbish or they might they might mock my time at Norwich if yeah. you like and I'm like well I can look at my that part of my career two ways I can either look at it I left Swansea because the team was moving a bit too fast for me um, and then signed for Norwich a club that was just so much on the up and I, I wasn't quite good enough at those clubs at that time but I would rather have been a part of that and have been, a, been an important part of the dressing room as yeah. opposed to racking up 200 games at uh, name name a League 2 League 1 yeah 100% club. it's experiences I, mean? isn't it? I, I would rather have given it a bash not quite been good enough and then you find your level again mm. as opposed to never giving it a crack yeah. do you know well, what I mean no, life's about experiences isn't it and that's some best experience like Vegas and stuff like that that's things you remember forever isn't it together so at least you're right, you knew, you're 100% at least right. you knew that there was an international game coming up <laughs> you know, I've do you remember we spoke at the Aviva Stadium the week after yeah well, at least we both got on, though. Fucking hell. I started that game, didn't I? You did. Oh, I was buzzing for you, I remember. In the Jomas, mate. In the Jomas. The Jomas. <laughs> but I, like, an international call-up was so far from my thinking. I hadn't been called up by Gary Speed. Um, hadn't played yeah. for maybe four months since I'd come back from Brentford. Norwich got promoted. Went to Vegas. I wasn't even thinking of playing for Wales <laughs> the next week, mate. Never mind turning up and starting. That's amazing. Oh, my it? God. Because we parted hard. Yeah, you've done all right as well, by the way. Yeah, that was my debut. Was it that? Yeah, that was your that first. That was cast. such. A, that was my first introduction. It was such a. I remember thinking, why am I here a week before the game? Because we had, it was that nations of the yeah, nations yeah. thing, and I was like, why were we here so early? Because that's I was thinking I could have had that extra day in Vegas. Yeah, you went home early. Didn't yeah, you? I went home a day early, and Croft was like, I'm coming with you, geese. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. But I was like, this is. So I got the call as we landed in Vegas, literally. So I've got off the tarmac. My, like you turn your phone on uh, before you get off the plane loads of calls missed calls text can you call this number and it was the SFA oh you've been called up and we're meeting up in five days I was like I'm back for Vegas the day before I was like, and then I was like I'm not going home now no chance so I just called it off a day early but yeah that was um unbelievable trip and I remember seeing you the week after and then Jermaine Easter came on as well I was talking to her and I was just like Mad to think you've been Vegas six days before, and then the next week you're playing in front of however many at the Aviva. It's crazy, isn't it? I played all right as well. Yeah, you but did, I blew mate. up, mate. I was Vegas. Happy. I was watching top. you proud, mate. I was like, how's he done this after what he'd done in Vegas? <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I can't even remember who I was up against, but for 45, I think Charlie Adam played. Scott Brown would have played, maybe. Uh, was, yeah, he was. Yeah, Brown playing. And um, what's his name? Morrison. Yeah, they got me close to the big man. <laughs> in the second half, that was a different story. <laughs> big man and his white jomas, mate. Yeah, unbelievable experience. Like to be part of that dressing room. We'll, we'll we'll end it up on Las Vegas. The fact that I was there, John Ruddy, Simeon Jackson, huge part of that team. I, mate. And I always they knew, were there, mate. I love Big John, but I always there was a part of me always knew, and I think we joked about it a lot with him as well. There was a part we knew he weren't coming, didn't we? Just tell us, big guy. Just tell us you're not coming. Didn't want to say, did he? No. Bless He's like, no, I'm coming, I'm coming. Yeah. 
Yeah. John, where are you, mate? Yeah, can't come. <laughs> I remember ringing Jacko that morning and hammering him. Because he'd said he was coming. Yeah, I was fuming. I was, fuming, the I was fuming with Simeon. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, no, I can't do it, I can't do it. That was in his English accent at the time. He speaks in his Canadian one now. But Incredible accent. <laughs> what a guy. I let him off because he's a great guy. Those goals but, that he scored, though. Mate, he was so important in that running. He must look back now and think that. Oh, he should have come, shouldn't he? He's let himself down there. <laughs> he's let us down and he's yeah. not angry, just disappointed. Very disappointed. But oh, he would, yeah, to be fair, he would have loved it as well, wouldn't he? Yeah. He weren't a big drinker now, but he would have loved no. certain parts of it. No. So yeah, really, that was amazing. So Scottish international Russ, going up, playing for Rangers. Did you notice, not just Rangers and Celtic, we spoke about them, even the other clubs, Hart, Hibs, Aberdeen, Fucking not a bad league, mate. Mate, yeah. I said, I said at the time, the top five or six, when I was there last year, decent, mate. Really good. Yeah. Really good. Probably, it's hard to put the equivalent in it, but, you know, championship at least, like, would compete. Club size, isn't it? Yeah. Even Kilmarnock last year, they were de- really decent. They've just gone top of the league. Yeah, no, they took off top. He's done a great job there. But after that, it's a bit of a mixed bag, isn't it? But everyone's desperate to beat Rangers. Yeah. Desperate. Yeah. You have to be at it. And do you know what? I went there... <clears throat> And the first two months, probably really good. We were winning every, we won every game. It was a bit disjointed still, I felt, and there was things we needed to work on. But we were getting away of just being a better team, and we were just playing good football, not like defensively, really open, which is a bit frustrating, but really good football. And I had people coming up to me going, "Oh, big man, you're exactly what we needed—a leader, not an organizer, blah blah blah." And I felt like I was playing really well because I hadn't played for a long time. And then, so I was enjoying it. Life was, you know what it's like when you're winning. And at that club, you couldn't, I couldn't walk around. So I'd walk around the city loads as a Scotland international. No one cared. I couldn't walk anywhere without someone saying to me, ah, oh, brilliant, big man at the weekend. Or I need to get into these at the weekend. That's a brilliant one, that, a bit of advice. Get into these. Yeah, yeah. Like, Thanks, what man. do you mean, mate? <laughs> uh, so I, my washing machine packed up. I was taking it to the laundry around the corner. He was a top man, like a Celtic fan, but like just a nice guy. And I thought, oh, it's all right. The only downside was not seeing my family so much. I was only getting home for like one day a week or whatever. Um, but training around, amazing facilities, like making the most of that. Felt really good. And then we were, it was a build-up to the old firm. So excited. We were, we gained points and it was getting really close. It was like four points in it. So if we won, we were a point behind. Yeah. And everyone's thinking, we've got a chance. Like everyone outside. And there was still so much going on that was wrong, like in terms of people with the man, like the way they treated the manager and... Uh, some of the players and stuff and it was difficult um, but you're thinking we might get away with this like just from being like energy on the pitch and stuff like that um, and still to stay it frustrates the life out of me we were training on the 3G indoors um, and we were doing sprints it's something I shouldn't do with my back I've had a couple of back issues I've never missed many games with it at all but it's one of them where I'm advised not to but I thought you're flying and it's one of, oh, I'll get away with it for a day yeah. and I didn't I twisted and my back just seized straight up. I thought, fuck. And I was literally, I remember being close to tears. Even at my age, like that old firm derby at Ibrox, like this is going to be, look, this is, like there's so much on it now. It's the first time in a good few years there's actually mm. people starting to think Rangers have got a chance. And um done my back, mate. And I worked so hard for five days. It was like five days before the game to get fit, done everything. Like, I was I was in there till five o'clock with a physio. Was getting, they were brilliant with me getting treatment. And I just couldn't, I couldn't run. Yeah. And um, we lost 3-2. Batesy then got injured and I felt like, before I went up there, Batesy was not really established and then I felt we'd built a really good relationship. I'd really helped him come on a bit and I think he enjoyed playing with me and I still speak to him now. He's a great lad, David Bates at Hamburg now. But it was starting, we were starting to build a real relationship 
Then he got injured in that game, which ruled him out for the rest of the season. And then I, I remember speaking to the manager before the Kilmarnock game. It was after that, and I'd had an injection by this point. When I realised I weren't making a Saturday game, it was an international break, and my back was, I was spasmed and all that. So I went down to Nottingham and had an uh, epidural, and um, came back. And he was like, oh, "You should have a couple of weeks doing nothing." I spoke to Graham Merton. He was like, "I want you to play against Kilmarnock." It's one of them shows. You look back and think. I wanted to do it for him because I'd gone up there because I knew him and I wanted to help him out and we just got beat by Saudi. Um and I played and I weren't right yeah. and uh, and we lost one nil to Kilmarnock and then because I didn't give myself time it wasn't right again after that I was playing it was stiff and I was moving different and it showed in my performances and, and it fucking frustrates me because for the first two months that gets forgotten yeah. and you're only judged on the games against Celtic and after that we were shit it was embarrassing it was 4-5-0 really? And then I played the last game of the season. I couldn't even I couldn't even get out of bed that morning. Yeah. Um, well, but I just put my body through that much, and I hadn't re- rested it at all. And we played, and it was five all, and we were fucking hopeless against yeah. Hibs last game at Easter Road. Yeah. We were winning five four, and and I'm remembered probably now for that the Celtic ones. Like I made a mistake in the semi final. We <laughs> lost four nil, lost five nil at Parkhead, and the place had gone by this point, like completely. Like the lads had gone and. People were just waiting to end the season. Like, there was rumours of a new manager. Then Gerard got out. It was a tough. It was a real tough place to be the last six weeks, and I killed myself by playing. And do you know what? Other people would have just gone. They felt the twin. Nah, it would have been easy just to drop out and not play. Yeah. But I just thought, fuck it. I'm going to get through it for for the manager. I'm, and do you know what? I'll stand up and be counted, even though we're not doing well. And there was others who pulled out with all sorts, mate, or played and weren't quite you know oh, I'm a bit sore and I was just thinking nah, it's, not, it's not the honest thing to do because there's a different pressure of playing for a club like that it I know, I know people's outside view is oh, anyone can play for these teams no yeah, because no. the pressure on you winning every single game yeah. whether it's Rangers or Celtic is massive yeah. so when the going's good and you're playing well you yeah. know you're, you're, you're the star man when it, go, when it isn't going yeah. well oh my god the yeah. criticism is oh, level. and I'm at that point now where like I can shut myself off that. I didn't read any of the papers up there. So when people were telling me how well it's going and the club, like Rangers came to me and said, we want to sign you on a permanent deal. They started talking to my agent. This was after like eight games or whatever. Uh, the fans have got the feel good back. I, I didn't pay too much attention to that. You're just in the zone, aren't you? You're just getting on with things and I'm at an age now where I, I sort of don't listen to that. And then a few ex-players, Rangers players coming up to me going, you've been fucking brilliant, exactly what we need, blah, blah, get signed on and all that. And then it changed really quickly. So I don't. I try not to listen to that as well. Yeah. But that's more difficult to. That noise is much louder than the the positive stuff. Yeah. But and because everyone at the club, who works there, supports the club. Everyone feels it. It's so intense, mate. Yeah. It's so intense. And then them last two old firm games. Honestly, you went in thinking, this could go anyway. We didn't really have a plan. By that point, I, f- I really felt for Mertz. The pressure was on him. Was just incessant, mate. Yeah, they were changing up the training ground. It was fucking mad. It was it, for me, long term. It'll be an unbelievable learning experience. But I feel a bit, not bitter, but a bit sad at how I probably didn't do myself favour by playing. Yeah. But there was others there who were much worse, or without people seeing it, were much worse for yeah. the for the yeah, place. Yeah. Um, and I felt like if I didn't get an injury, I'd probably still be there now. Yeah, and, it, the- and 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 and, and, the, and the season and that Celtic game would have ended differently. Yeah, that's my opinion. People might say, "Fuck off, you were shy," yeah. <laughs> but that—that's that's my opinion on it. That's the best atmosphere I've played in Ibrox. Amazing, I think uh, the Amazing. noise—it well, probably helps. We, we won, um, 
we had a good good start to the season with Inverness, one at Celtic, Aberdeen, Rangers in like yeah, ten yeah. days, incredible. And um, the noise just before kickoff. Oh my! Oh my! I could I couldn't. We're talking to the centre half behind me. We could not hear. No, what, what, a place. what we were saying. What a place! Incredible. Oh my! My, my family that came up for a game. They were like, "Wow, yeah. <laughs> people are mental." Yeah. <laughs> it means so much. Yeah. And the club. Brilliant. Like some of the staff I'm still in touch with now. Like some really good people there. And, and and the tradition of it and the history and all that, amazing. But some of that's used now as a weight around the neck. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. It should be embraced and it should be like, yeah. But it can't be, well, this is how we've done it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Game's moved. Because the ground's like a museum, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. Rangers is not... You, you need to get back to where you were. Do you know what I mean? So you're not... There's some things that you're going to have to give up to get back there. Do, yeah. do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not... You're not where you were... For certain reasons, which you know everyone knows, it's, it was mismanaged, blah blah blah. Um, and now you need a hand to get back there. So you're not going to have the players like Gascoigne and people like that. So you need to the ones you've got there. Can they give them a hand rather than yeah. going, well, you're not. These are the players who used to have it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And it's littered everywhere on the walls. Fucking, it's like a museum. Yeah. It's amazing. Their trophy room. I was. This is every person that came up. I was like, come in here and have a look at this. Yeah. And everyone's like, wow, all the wood paneling, special place, special place. And I just wish it had ended a bit. Uh, a bit better because I think uh, for for two months it was good yeah. but then for for six weeks or whatever you didn't you didn't get the best of me and I didn't get the best best of them for yeah. various reasons on the pitch and off it but um, looking back it was a stupid decision to play with, with an, if I'd given it another two weeks it might have been different but by that point we off off the pitch of so much going on it was it was done anyway really it's mad we've both had similar experiences you're talking about stepping off the plane and you know that adulation. Uh, in the airport, you know, I had something similar when I left Hibs, mate. <laughs> That's the sort of cheers I had when I left. Mate. What was, happened there, mate? It was just chucking. Ah, oh, that was chaos, mate. Was it? That was a chaotic season. You can see, Hibs is like a mini Celtic. Yeah, yeah. Hearts is like. Well, that seems a bit disrespectful. <laughs> I like Celtic and Rangers. They're big clubs, you know, but, I'm right, but, aren't they? Yeah, but yeah. not quite as, yeah, as yeah, big, yeah. are they? And. Um, I just stumbled upon Hibs uh, the worst possible period, you know. Mate, so much of football, I don't care what anyone says, it's about timing. Isn't it? So much of it, mate. If, if for me, for example, Paul Lambert's Colchester team don't go and beat them 7-1, does yeah. he get the Norwich job? Do I end up at Norwich? Yeah. I could have never fucking hit the heights I did. Maybe I, I like to think my work, how hard I've worked, I would have eventually got there. But so much of it's timing. Yeah. So much of it. It's, it's about opportunity. It? and seize, You have to seize the opportunity and seize your chance, but... So much of it's timing, mate. Yeah. And people can call it luck or whatever. For me, it's timing, 100%. Yeah. And, and you, you're right. I've got, I said it at the time, and I got bad for it. I've, I'm at the right place at the wrong time. If I'd have come here, like, see, I'd come now in the summer with Stephen Gerald or whatever, and there's a different feel, or six months before, you know, it's just yeah. right place for it. It is, it's really, oh, Same as you have hips. You were probably buzzing to be there. I was done by that period. That was a, a move that I thought, Oh my god, I'm struggling mm. with my knee here, okay. but it's one. Need to it's it's yeah, another yeah, yeah. move. So if that happened three years previously, when I could move, who knows? But yeah, yeah. let's let's wrap it up then, mate. With that game, this this is this uh, ain't gonna go out for a, probably a couple of weeks. So yeah, big announcement. It's, it's been announced sort of now. You'll have your uh, little press day. Looking forward, mate. Testimonial. Yeah, yeah. yeah my eleven versus Wes's eleven. It'll be good, on it? Yeah, it'll just be great. Do you know what? I, I mate, have you asked Crofty? Yeah. Because I mentioned it to him and you hadn't asked him about that. <laughs> no. And it was the most awkward two minutes of my life. Is that why I'm not heard of him? I thought I had. <laughs> I no, I had mentioned it to Are you. Are sure? Yeah. Because I said, ah, oh, you, you, you No, he rang me after, actually. Do you know, after you've done your uh, podcast, <laughs> he rang me. Don't 
the fuck's this game, Geese? <laughs> <laughs> I could see him, as, but I'd I spoke like, to yeah. Zach about it the week before, yeah. and I thought, of course Crofty would be there. Yeah. So, uh, hey, we got the game, and he's like, what? <laughs> oh, shit, how am I going, and you're not Crofty? No, Crofty, he fully forgot. But yeah, no, he, he'll be there, of course. Um, but yeah, it would just be unbelievable chance for us to have a reunion, really, wouldn't it? Like, that's, the, that's the biggest thing. I really, amazing from Norwich to give, like, I was just short of 10 years, yeah. um, where's obviously done his 10. But amazing for them to give us a game just to say thanks for your service and appreciate what everything you've done. And it will go three ways. My a third will go to my charities, a third to Wes's and a third to the Community Sport Foundation for the Nest. So it's going to a good cause. I just hope we get a good crowd for it really. I don't yeah. know I don't know what to expect with that really. Um yes. hopefully, hopefully people will turn up. As soon as they realise that the big man's coming oh, out, right? Right? Eh? Well he's podcast oh, is that the guy on the podcast? <laughs> yeah. We're there, mate. That's well, all they know me by. Exactly, yeah. Hey, he no, used to play here as well. He used to play What? What, what number? You, I'm going to give you the seven for that game. Nah. No, I'm going to give it back I to want, you. I want my 33. Have you got Jens' number? No, I want, I want to call him back for the game. Jens was 33. Right, that's good, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to call him back for the game, mate. What a character. What a guy. Imagine, I can't wait, He'd mate. still be reducing people. No, it'll be, it'll be a brilliant day. It'll be, um, oh, it'll be an unbelievably pride moment for me. And I, I don't know, I didn't really get a chance to say goodbye. I left so, like, deadline day, bang, gone. It was weird. It was a weird feeling. So this, and Wes obviously had they played Leeds at the last game of the season last year, and they'd done a massive thing. Fucking and, hell! He's ripped the ass out. Of it, I know he's fucking got another one coming. <laughs> so um, yeah, it'll be it'll be nice to have have a moment. Like, you don't get many of them in football, do you? So yeah. make the most of it, take advantage of it, and it'd be brilliant for me. To, my my eldest boy now has just really got into football. Yeah, I'm thinking fuck's sake, why didn't you get into it a year or two ago? And I was like peak of powers, but yeah, um, yeah he's just got into it. And uh, it'll be brilliant for, for him to come and walk out on the pitch with me. And my mother too, obviously, as well. It'll be a, it'll be a really proud moment. Like my family there and all that. So it'll be, it'll be really good. It'll be really good. And obviously bring you boys back. Hopefully get there. Although uh, we've got to pay for your hotel if you come the night before. And obviously, what? Yeah, so. It's a disgrace, isn't it? Tell you what. You pay for your own hotels. And then we'll, we'll just go. stay in Platinum Lace all night. They're <laughs> <laughs> doing all night. What, what's that, mate? What's Platinum Lace? It's just uh, cafe. Oh, is it good? Yeah, lovely yeah. coffee. Little coffee in there. Coffee. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure uh, there'll be a few establishments uh, visited on the. It's a bank holiday, isn't it? So I can't wait. It'll mate. be great, mate. Yeah, be Russ, good. it's been an absolute pleasure catching up. Yeah, sorry to bore you, mate. I don't good know luck with how long did it go on? I've lost track of time. How much do you think? How long? Hour and five. Ooh, hour seventeen with them, mate. That's it. Lovely. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, you too, mate. Good luck with whatever happens next, mate. Yeah, cheers, geezer. Top man. Top man. there we have it Russell Martin ladies and gentlemen an absolute Norwich City legend the Norfolk Cafu brilliant chatting to him um, I'm not sure when tickets become available for his and, and Wes Hulan's testimonial get your hands on a set of tickets make sure that Carroll Road is full to the brim to pay your respects to what those two guys have done for the football club and if you're not sure, I can confirm, I will be there. It will be an opportunity for all you Norwich fans to get another glimpse at the big Welsh giraffe. Now, if that doesn't make you buy tickets, I don't know what will. But thank you for listening. Thank you, Russ, for your time. Uh, good luck on whatever he decides to do next. Certainly be a management coaching role somewhere for him. I'm sure he'll be very, very successful. Whatever he decides to do, 
Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. Please leave a review, subscribe, leave a rating, tell a friend. That's the important one. Tell a friend. Listen to previous episodes. Listen to future episodes. Till next time, goodbye.